you know it's getting tight when certain people start sitting on the front row. <laughs> just going to say. Just going to say it. Got to say it. Um, uh, man, it is... Uh, it, it, <laughs> In case you don't go here, or this isn't, you're not usually at 24, whatever. Uh, I'll just let me let me just kind of fill you in on something. This past week has been uh, it's been a week. It's been a it's been a trying week, in some ways, and it's been an incredibly God glorifying week in many other ways. Uh, I I have just gotten to be behind the scenes and see God use so many of you and so many others in so many ways. Uh, Aaron and I were even talking about just how, uh, it, you know, we just we see little glimpses of like, you know, a few weeks ago I, I rolled out, you know, the dream and the puzzle and all that stuff and the crazy, you know, oh, Chris has lost his mind now, you know, kind of stuff. Uh, and, and then to follow that, you know, uh, and I've shared many things that kind of followed that that kind of have, you know, confirmed even more if, you know, that's where God is leading us as a church uh, but then even just this week, uh, just, you know, Aaron and I have talked about just how we've seen God's hand and how he has called certain people to step up in certain areas of ministry within the church and, and that the things that happened this week could not have happened a month ago. And, and that's crazy, but that's, that's the truth. I mean, I, I, have, I have watched God... You, and, and, you know, God do whatever he wants to. He could, he could do, you know, he could, he could have used us a month ago. I'm, I'm completely aware of that. Uh, but there's just, there's just this element of like seeing God's hand moving right now through our church in just a crazy way. Even just had a conversation a minute ago about uh, just somebody just sharing that they're, they're broken over uh, just the need for just certain things, even within like our kids' ministry and stuff like that. Uh, and, and, and I'll just tell you, none of that that we talked about a few weeks ago can happen unless we all collectively are seeking the Lord and being faithful to how he leads us moving forward. Uh, and if we will do that, uh, the, the ride is going to be stinking awesome. Uh, and, and I, 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 you know, the truth is that the rocks will cry out, God will do what he wants to do. Uh, we'll, you and I will either be a part of it or we won't. Uh, and so I, I just encourage you, uh, seek the Lord, uh, pray, and, and let him lead you in whatever it is that he's, he's guiding your heart to do right now. Uh, I, 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 let me just say a little bit, though. I want to I just brag uh, just on the people of 24. Many of you just want to say thank you uh, for what you did this past week. Uh, there, there, was, there, were pe- there were untold amounts of people here uh, working on food, uh, cleaning uh, being ushers, being greeters. Uh, Alan was in the parking lot for like two days greeting people in the parking lot. Uh, I mean, it, I mean, it, it just, you know, I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, and, and, I know, and I know you didn't do it for me, and I don't want you to ever do it for me. Please don't ever do it for me. Always do it for him. Always do it for his glory. And, and, but that's why I want to say thank you is because that's why you did it is you did it for his glory. God was glorified this week. Uh, so in, in the midst, and again, if you, you haven't been around, we lost one of, one of our folks, one of our guys uh, died uh, a week and a half ago now. And uh, we, had, we hosted his funeral here. Visitation was on Monday. The funeral was on uh, Tuesday. Uh, tough, hard, hard times for a lot of us uh, that loved CJ very much. But out of that, out of all of that, we have gotten to see God move, and not just in people serving, 
uh, and, and uh, I won't point anybody out yet or whatever, but uh, we, we had uh, one of our teenage uh, ladies come to know the Lord last Sunday in the midst of this, after us talking about some of this, and then uh, we streamed the funeral live on, uh, on Tuesday, uh, so you could watch it, so people that couldn't make it or whatever, family members in other states or whatever could see it, be a part of it, go back and watch it later or whatever, and just from streaming that live, and a big thank you to Jerry and all those people that, that, that do this stuff, uh, and, and well worth every dime that we'll ever spend toward doing that, and I believed that even before we spent it, was we had one of our younger ladies, uh, probably, uh, I think she's around 11 or whatever, uh, she was watching the funeral with her mom on Tuesday, started asking some questions, and she prayed to receive Christ as her Savior this week. And so, and, and I got to tell you, here's what's awesome. For those of you that that's affected, that's, you're, you're sitting here and you're going, well, that's me or that's my family member and we're excited or whatever. Uh, I'll just tell you, it, it's, been, it's been so awesome to get to share that with that family this week. I, I stood showing uh, that, that uh, Facebook post of that mom whose, whose daughter came to know Christ on Tuesday while watching a funeral on Facebook, okay? How crazy is that, right? And I got to show the family here yesterday. They were here for uh, a, a baby gender reveal thing or whatever for uh, uh, Shelly's sister and all that. Anyway, got to show CJ's mom that standing out here in the hall uh, yesterday morning. I mean, what just... I mean, just the encouragement that that can give them in the midst of this devastation that they are going through is just unbelievable. And so, uh, anyway, just uh, just thank you to, to all of you for listening to the Lord, uh, and, and I'm praying that we will continue to do that uh, in the days to come. Um, so, yeah, pretty pretty awesome stuff, pretty awesome stuff this week uh, in the midst of a very hard week. So, um, I just want to make mention of this in case uh, we don't get there later on, but uh, uh, the consignment sale is this week, and that kind of turns 24 upside down. Uh, that's not the Stranger Things upside down, hopefully, but it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, some of you never never seen Stranger Things. You don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, you're like, what? Is that bad? Uh, so, I'll, I won't make any references. It's that, that would just go downhill real fast. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, so the uh, this building will be crazy this week. Uh, to go along with that, starting at 4 o'clock this afternoon, uh, they will begin setting up for that. Uh, if you're interested, if your micro church is interested, uh, you just want to come help, serve, whatever, uh, there'll be a bunch of people here. There's a whole lot of like grunt work, like uh, putting things together, moving things that the ladies, we try not to let the ladies do that stuff. So if you're available, starting at 4 o'clock this evening, we'll be uh, here doing that stuff. Be glad for you to, to join us for that. Uh, that. That has turned into a huge ministry. Uh, I mean, just amazing. And, uh, and it helps raise money for our kids' ministry, if you didn't know that. Um, but uh, pretty cool stuff. I'm sure Ben will talk about that later. All right, get your Bible out if you got it. If you don't have it, uh, you're out of luck. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, uh, raise your hand. Let our ushers bring you one. We'd love for you to have one. In fact, if you don't own one, we want you to keep that one and consider it a gift. Uh, we are going back to the book of Mark today, Mark chapter 8, and uh, would love for you to follow along with us this morning uh, in Mark chapter 8 to see what that's about. There are a lot of people who claim Jesus is one thing or another. Um, you know, it, it's, it's it, I mean, really, Jesus is like the original Slim Shady. Uh, 
you know, like if there's anybody that ever had the right to say like, who am I? And, and could come up with like 50,000 different versions of himself as to what other people say that he is, uh, you know, it's Jesus. Uh, some of you guys are still reeling on the Slim Shady remark. <laughs> that, that really got you. You didn't see that one coming, huh? Uh, sorry. And so, uh, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's funny in one sense. I mean, you know, we get a you know, crack a joke about it or whatever, but, but there's truth to that. And, and I'll just tell you, there's truth to that. Like, I'm actually concerned, like, for, I, I see sometimes people post, like, quotes of people that I know are false prophets, and it bothers me, and 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 it does and, and and it doesn't bother me like Chris is like the judge, the judge, jury, and executioner of of like who's right and who's wrong or whatever like that. No, I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about like just people that we know in general um, have have taken scripture and they've made it into something and they make it into something to be what they want it to be, and then they teach that. That's a, that's a false prophet. Uh, and, and, and even in the littlest, what seems like the littlest of things, when it comes to those kinds of things, where we say, oh, well, you know, yeah, they're a little, they're a little loosey-goosey on that or this or whatever. Uh, but, but the truth is, is like being a little loosey-goosey on doctrine and on what Scripture says, especially what Jesus says or what, who Jesus is, uh, or, or, even, or even, just, even just sin, like this, and, and this, and I think this is probably the thing that bothers me the most is like in this day and age, we're living in a day and age when, when people are like, you know, well, I'm, a, I'm you know, I want, uh, I want, I don't want that sin to really be a sin. So like some of these people are teaching that it's really not when scripture says clearly that it is. And if we, if we start doing that with scripture, we're changing who Jesus, who we say Jesus is. We're saying that, no, he's, he's not completely right. Let me tell you what. The minute that Jesus is not completely right about one thing, the whole thing is called off. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's that big of a deal. And so I, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm so tempted to, like, say names, and maybe I should. Paul does in, in scriptures. Uh, but my, my interest here isn't to like try to like beat down some of these people that are on TV or famous or whatever. And some of them have many great things to say, but I'm just there. And there are some that are absolutely fantastic. There is both, okay? Uh, but there is a lot, and especially the ones that seem uh, to be in mainstream media and that kind of thing a lot of times are the ones that are, that are just, they're just, they're not biblically correct in many of the things that they're teaching. Just, I, I, I guess I'm saying on the front end of this, be careful. Be careful. I, I, think, that, I think that that's important to be said when we're talking through a message uh, that is specifically about, you know, things uh, like what we're talking about today. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? So in this passage of Scripture, we're picking up after we've seen Jesus just healing some other people and some different things going on. And I don't know if you remember, uh, you had the guy that was uh, deaf and mute. And Jesus spits in his hands and he like takes his spit and he sticks it in, in the guy's ears and you know all this and like he, the guy gets his hearing back and starts to speak and uh, all all of this stuff. I mean, just crazy cool, awesome stuff. And here we have yet another situation where Jesus heals somebody. And I think, on the, I think just on the surface of this, we would go, okay, Jesus is healing another person. Okay, cool, great, you know, no big deal. No, there's a big deal to this. Jesus is like he, we have seen him do before, using this situation to actually help people understand who he is. And we're gonna, you'll, you'll understand what I'm saying 
with that here in just a minute as we read through this. Let's look at this. Uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 22. And it says, And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. Begged him to touch him. So already, like, Jesus's, like, you know, reputation, if you will, was like far and wide. And people, people far and wide were like all over the place, like, you know, really just like hearing about who Christ is and what he had done. And they'd heard stories. They'd heard stories. I don't know if you remember uh, the lady who couldn't stop bleeding and, you know, these different things. But like she believed if she could just touch, you know, just a piece of Jesus' clothing as he passed by, that she would be healed. And she was. And so it's become a thing now that people are starting to understand that, that if they could just be touched by Jesus, like if they could just be touched by him. Now, the truth is, is that a lot of these people probably still didn't understand who Jesus was, who he had come. He, they may have not even known what he was teaching yet. He just had a reputation of being like, well, you got to go see that guy if you want to get better. You know, you got that disease. Well, it's just going to get worse. You know, well, go get your little Jesus, you know. I mean, it's like going to the pharmacy and getting some tussin. And so we've got Jesus, you know, in this situation where these guys, it says, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. You see where that, you see where that is? He's like, they're like, you know, please, will you just touch our friend? He needs your healing touch. Verse 23, it says, and he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him. He asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. So Jesus does the spit thing again. This is kind of crazy because we know that Jesus doesn't have to do this, right? I mean, Jesus, Jesus is like telling, you know, women that come to see him that like, hey, my daughter's at home and she's sick and dying. And he's like, boom, she's, she's good. You go back home now, you know. And, 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 and here we have Jesus doing something physical like we had him doing with, which is why I brought it up, the, the guy that was mute and deaf where he sticks his fingers in his ears and all that kind of same thing. And I think there's something to this. I think there's something important to this. I think, I think part of this is, is Jesus is... is wanting him to physically feel him being touched because, I mean, he's blind, okay? So, you know, first of all, the guy, you know, they want him to touch him, but, but they, you know, Jesus, Jesus leads this guy away, says, what, what's it say? And he took, him, took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village, and then he spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him. He asked him, do you see anything? So we, we've got this crazy situation, like, I don't know when the last time was you had somebody like spit in your face. But it's usually not like a sign of like, hey, I love you and I want to help you right now. So <laughs> I, I dare, I'll dare any couple in here by, by the end of the day, spit in your spouse's face. See how that goes. Please, please post up like the picture of the hand mark that comes to follow. Okay. I'll be looking for this by, by 10 o'clock tonight, okay? So, yeah, and, and so, yeah, you don't, I mean, that's not something that, like, we're like, hey, you know, uh, uh, you know, 
That's so awesome. Thanks for spitting in my face, Jesus. Uh, you know, but that's what he does. And, and I think that there's something to this. Again, he's blind, and he wants him to know, I'm, I'm doing something here. I'm physically doing, you're, you're, going, you're about to be changed. And so, of course, when Jesus asks him, you know, and, don't, and listen, don't think that like Jesus' spit wasn't working all the way for some reason, you know, all of a sudden. You know, Jesus asks him, he says, you know, he, it says in verse 24, and he looked up and said, I see people, but they're looking like trees walking. And in other words, everything was just blurry. It was just blurry. He wasn't like seeing, seeing, you know? And so like his vision wasn't completely back and probably wasn't even close, maybe halfway or something. I don't know. One thing that we understand from this is I, I think that the way this is worded, we can understand that this guy had seen before. This is probably where a situation where he had lost his sight. By the way, this is the, this, this is the first instance that we see in the book of Mark where Jesus heals a blind person. And we have other passages in other, in other uh, books of the Bible uh, where we see that, and, and we'll probably see more. But, uh, you know, in, in this particular uh, uh, gospel, this is the first instance of Jesus healing a blind person. And so with, with this, Jesus does this, and it's not that Jesus is like, you know, not fully on that day or something. There's, there's purpose behind this. There's always purpose behind this, Right? It's always purpose behind what Jesus does. Why did Jesus not heal the guy, boom, the first time? He says, I see people, but they look like trees walking. So he, you know, he, basically he can tell there's people around him. They're moving, but they might as well look like trees to him because you know, he, he can't make them out. Verse 25, it says, Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly, and he sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. Do not even enter the village. So what Jesus is saying here, he's like, don't go tell everybody, just go straight home. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but if I've been blind and you know, like, I just got healed, you know, out of nowhere, and it's like, whoa, this is crazy, I can see. You know, I, I don't know that I just want to go home. You know, I think I, think I probably want to, I want to go see all of God's creation. I want to go, but I want to go back into town. You know, I want to see people that I've missed and haven't seen them, uh, you know, in years or whatever. I mean, there's just, there's all kinds of stuff to this. But Jesus says, do not even enter the village. And this is Jesus' way of saying, I don't want you to go tell everybody what I did. And we see Jesus already. I mean, he took the guy out of town. He led him out of town. He did touch him. I mean, like when those guys asked him if he would touch the guy, Jesus did touch him before he ever sped on him, before he ever put his hands on his eyes. Jesus actually, what, he took him by the hand and he led him out of the town so that he could do this. Why? We see Jesus all the time healing people. And, you know, I, I think the climate is starting to change, though. And Jesus knows it. The climate is starting to change that he's got more and more people like looking for him and after him. And he's, and he, listen, Jesus is very, very pointed on like the reason that he came was to usher in the kingdom of God for the people of God to know who he is and, you know, all of this stuff. And, and, and it's not time for him to die, basically. 
And so Jesus is not trying to stir the pot more than needed to be in this moment. Jesus is just simply like, hey, let's go on out of town. We'll take care of this, and then I want you to go home, okay? Now, likely, like most of the other people that Jesus would say something like this to, when he'd say, hey, you just go home or don't tell anybody or whatever, what do they do? They go tell everybody. So people find out no matter what. But Jesus is at this point in his ministry where people, he's got, he's got hostiles like literally ready to come after him, ready to kill him. They want to take Jesus down. They are ready for him to die. He is calling into question everything that they have believed. And that's the problem. It's like the uber-religious people of that time Jesus was calling to question all these things that they had been teaching all this time. And, and, you know, they, and, and to, their, to their defense, they didn't know any better. They were teaching what they thought they were supposed to be teaching. But when Jesus came along with the clarity of the gospel, and it started to bring everything that they had taught into question, it made them look like liars. So, I mean, you put yourself in their shoes, you're not going to feel so great either. The thing is, is that really they should have just turned to Jesus and been like, Jesus, we're sorry. We didn't know any better. Verse 27, it goes on. So we've got this whole situation with the blind guy, and we've, and we've healed him now. And then, and then comes something else. Because, again, the question at bay is why didn't Jesus heal this guy 100% the first time? There's got to be a reason, right? Let's keep going here. Verse 27, it says this. It says, And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say one of the prophets. So Jesus is just having a candid conversation with the disciples just after this whole situation with the blind guy. And he says says to them, who are people out there saying that I am? Now that's that question that I started with earlier. Even in this day and age, that question gets answered a thousand different ways. I remember when I was a youth pastor, uh, I, took, uh, I took, you know, it's funny, we, we bought a, a video camera for our youth ministry, and uh, I took a group of kids to, uh, I think it was uh, Kings Island or Cedar Point, one of, the, one of the theme parks, and it was somewhere in that time period, and and. I was challenging our kids to just take turns taking the video camera and going around the park and interviewing random people. This is pretty fun. And I wish I had this footage. It's probably somewhere on the internet. And, but anyway, so we did, they did this. And the, and the question that I told them to ask, I just said, I said, I just want you to ask people, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And the answers were all over the map. And some, some people would get angry and like, you know, leave me alone. I'm here to ride the rides, you know, and, you know, that kind of stuff. And some people wanted to talk and some people wanted to talk and like they were believers. They're like, you know, well, Jesus is my savior. And, you know, he, he came to die for us and he's the king of kings and all this kind of stuff. And, and then there were other people that were like, you know, really wanted to talk about it. But Jesus to them was like Jesus, like, you know, an alien Jesus or you know, whatever. I mean, just all kinds of crazy answers, you know, as you can imagine. Jesus is leading them with questions here. Jesus asks one more question here. He says in verse 29, it says, And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Now keep in mind that at this point, the disciples have really struggled with this. 
like the disciples have seen Jesus do the most amazing things on the planet, but yet even still have not really grasped or understood or believed in him to be who Jesus is and was sent to be, okay? So they're, you know, to this point, they're like, well, he's our friend, and you know, he's a good guy, and he seems to be able to heal people, and that's good, and he says he's the son of God, and he says that he's the Savior and the Messiah and all these things, but we're not really sure, kind of speaking for the disciples here, who he is. Jesus asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. Peter. Peter steps up, and some commentators will argue that Peter's really kind of speaking for the crew of disciples. I don't know if he is or not. I'm not going to say that. Uh, that's a possibility. Either way, we're making headway finally, you know? And, 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 and I don't know about you, and if, if you're a Christian, you're sitting here today, then you remember at some point along the way that you, you realized that you needed Jesus. And why did, why did you need Jesus? Well, you, you needed Jesus the same reason that I needed Jesus and still need Jesus, which is because I'm a sinner and my sin separates me from God, and the penalty for my sin is actually death, and, and then I begin to understand who Jesus was and what he had done, and that basically he went before the Father, and he took my death that I deserve for my sin, that if I believe in him and trust in him to be my Savior, then I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven, and not only am I forgiven, and not only do I get to live in heaven with him and all this other stuff, but I'm given a new life. I'm made new. I'm made new. God's in the restoration business. And in this moment, we're getting to see the first time that one of the disciples, maybe the rest of them, or maybe part of them or something, I don't know, but at least one of them we know, we're getting to see Peter proclaim and confess Jesus as the Messiah. This is huge. This is huge. I, I love, one of the things about getting to be a pastor is sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes I get to, I get to have the window seat of getting to see someone for the first time confess Jesus as their Savior. And man, it is so awesome. And parents, if you've gotten to do this with your kids, I mean, you, you understand and you know. And man, like, there's <clears throat> everything else in this world gets old compared to that. Like, I, there, there's, there's, that never gets old to me. Seeing people realize their need for a Savior, trusting in Jesus, the Holy Spirit working on their heart, the conviction process of them realizing, I so desperately need Jesus, and then confessing him to be their Savior. I mean, it's just amazing. It's just awesome. I love it. Jesus loved those guys, and I, and, and I got to believe I got to believe that, and of course, Mark's so little on the detail, you know, but I got I to gotta believe that, that Jesus is probably jumping out of his skin, you know, like with excitement, like finally, like, 
Good grief, you guys. What it, should I started spitting in people's faces before? Like, what was it this time, you know? But you know that he loved these guys and he'd been with them and spent all this time with them, been pouring into them and wanted them to believe, much like many of us are with loved ones that we have and that we're just, we're just being patient and we're just praying for them. And when they want to talk about it, we talk and we just... And we just pray that God would continue to reveal himself to them because the truth is is that you and I can't save people. It's all on him. When Peter confesses Jesus as the Messiah, it happens after Jesus leads up with these questions. Remember the questions, right? Who Who do people say that I am? And who do you say that I am? When Jesus is asking who do you say that I am? He's asking this question. Are you seeing the truth yet? Are you seeing the truth? Remember the, remember the blind guy? Remember the blind guy? Remember how he wasn't completely healed the first time? It was, it was blurry. You, you, remember, you remember when you came to know Christ? And, and if you're not a Christian, then maybe this speaks to you in a different way. So hang in here with me because maybe it's helpful you hear, but, but but maybe 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 the what you were seeing at first, like you begin to feel like God speaking to your heart, but in the midst of that, like the, the picture was blurry, and you didn't really understand what was going on. You see, Jesus did all of that on purpose, and these passages are connected on purpose. Jesus was using this blind guy for a teaching moment with his own disciples, and truthfully, for the rest of us, that we would see that there's process to this sometimes. That, you know, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to our heart, as he did Peter's heart that day, and and begins to help us to see, like, our need for a Savior. And, And the Holy Spirit begins, like, we just feel convicted. We start feeling like the butterfly thing going on inside. It's like, you know, is that indigestion? Is that the hot chicken? Is it what, you know, what is it? And it's like, no, 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 something else, like, I feel like God is, is leading me in this somehow, some way, shape, or form. I can't explain it. He, you know, whatever. And, and through this, it, it, you start, you know, things start to come a little clearer, but it's still a little fuzzy. And then there comes the moment that you just absolutely 100% understand Jesus died for me. Jesus died for me, and I didn't deserve it. I didn't, I didn't earn it. I shouldn't get it. It's called grace, by the way. But he did so because God loves me. And I'm one of his children. He wants me to be a part of the family. He's calling me in to the family reunion for good, like forever. The Spirit softens our heart as he did Peter's heart that day for us to see the truth, which is who Jesus is. Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And he's saying, are you beginning to see the truth? Are you in the blurry stage? Where are you? And as Peter's eyes begin to adjust to what the truth was, for some reason on that day, God grabbed a hold of Peter and helped him to see This guy that you've been hanging out with, he's our guy. 
he's the Christ. He's the Messiah. Now, this meant something different from Peter than it did for me and you, okay? So, you gotta, again, you got to remember, you have to remember, like that the whole, you know, whole leading up to this, like for you know, thousands of years, literally, like the coming of Jesus was foretold. So Peter's aware, he's, for, he's aware that like, you know, that people have been looking for this Savior, for the, for the Christ, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and so, but Peter also kind of being tainted with the whole like living in that time period and in that place, you know, is kind of also probably struggling with like, everybody's looking for this king who's here to be a king, and we've talked about this a bunch, but the truth is, is that Peter is probably, in, you know, and that's probably part of the reason why Peter was struggling. He's like, you know, well, I mean, I've been waiting for this king. He says he's the guy, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, he's not very kingly. He serves people. He wants to help everybody. Kings usually sit on thrones. They want everything done for them. You know, this just doesn't, you know, and, you know, and then money and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and so, like, the political climate, you know, at that point in time, was very much like out for Jesus because of the claim that he was the king of the Jews. So honestly, for Peter to get to this point where he's trusting in Jesus to be who Jesus has been saying that he is, is a huge deal. But he gets there with the help of God and specifically with the help of the Holy Spirit. See, we see in Scripture that the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts helps us to see our need for a Savior. And then we have a chance to respond. Peter believes that Jesus is the king. Now, did he really fully understand who Jesus was as the Son of God, the creator of the world, and all these, <laughs> all these other things that we know that Jesus is now? Maybe, probably not, okay? But he's taken a step forward. I think one of the things that so many people struggle with when I talk to them about believing in Christ to be their Savior is they want to have all of the answers right up front. You know, we, we love having all the answers right up front. But, but there's this beautiful thing that happens in our walk with the Lord. And it's this word called sanctification. And through the process of, of seeking the Lord and God revealing himself to us and us continually learning more and more about who he is over time, we are sanctified. We are made more like him little by little by little by little. And this, and this happens till the day we die. There is no, like with the Christian faith, there is no like, you know, you know, after you've become a Christian, there is no like one day you finally learn so much about Jesus that like you get to be on a pedestal and you have arrived. Unfortunately, I think we make people into that sometimes, pastors or whatever. And the truth is, is that our calling, our callings are all equally as good, equally as important. Whatever your calling is, don't don't minimize it because you're not called to be a minister uh, that serves at a church or whatever. The truth is, is that we're all called ministers of the gospel if we are Christians. I want to read this passage to you. This is out of Matthew, and this is the same account 
But again, we don't have all the detail with Mark. I think partly, I'm just guessing here, it's just a guess, I think partly the reason that we don't have this detail of this account is because we do believe that this account is from Peter, okay? And I think Peter's humility was keeping him from like trying to like make a spectacle out of who Peter is or whatever. And so we've got this account, and it includes Peter. And here it is, Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And it says this. Again, same account. This is the aftermath. This is be what happened after Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ. And it says this. It says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So after Peter makes this confession, of course, Jesus knows Peter's going to make the confession because he's Jesus, right? And he's ready. He's ready to tell Peter this. He's been sitting on this little piece of information all this time. And as soon as Peter spits this out, again, we don't have it in the book of Mark because we think that Mark and Peter were comrades and we think that Peter's rendition of the gospel is actually, uh, Mark's rendition of the gospel is actually Peter's telling of accounts of things that happened with Jesus. And we think maybe that Peter didn't tell this very much because Peter didn't want to make it sound like he was making out like, hey, yeah, so guess what? I'm your boy. Jesus told me, building a church right here. So got to go through me. Guess what? Gates of hell won't you know, prevail against it. You know, so, you know, that's not who Peter was. Peter was humble about what Jesus had told him. And as he told him, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's good stuff. And folks, that's still good today. The bride of Jesus is alive and well in this world to be light, and God to show off with his power. You want to know why it's important to be a part of a body of believers, be a part of a church? It's to be a part of that amongst the other one million things that we're called to do for like one another and being there for one another and helping one another and loving one another and all those things, the hard things, the good things, whatever. And I just thought to myself, what a timely message for us to be reminded that God wants to use his church. I mean, like, we shouldn't doubt that. I mean, we're seeing God use his church right now. We're, we're blessed. We're very blessed to get to see God moving and doing in the things that he's doing right now in the life of 24 Church, which is the people, not a building, okay? We're very blessed to get to see him moving right now, but even just to be reminded that as God calls us to go forward, as he calls us to go into neighborhoods and bring children who don't go to church, who don't know Jesus, as he calls us to continue to minister to people who are struggling in hard times, that we can be reminded that the church is his. It's not ours. It's his bride. It's the bride of Jesus. And and if you don't think that Jesus isn't going to fight for his wife, 
then guess what? He will punch you in the face, you know, like a good husband should. I mean, every once in a while, a husband has to punch somebody in the face to defend his wife. Jesus isn't leaving his bride high and dry because we failed somewhere along the way or we got something wrong or whatever it is. You know, that's not who Jesus is. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth, you shall be bound in heaven. You see, God wants to use us. He's called us to be a part of the mission. And so the question today is this, and it's very simple. And I hope that you've worked it out. And if not, I pray that today you would. I pray that you wouldn't leave here and not have this question worked out in your heart and in your mind. And the question is this. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say Jesus is? Not historically. To you, who is Jesus? Is he the Messiah? Is he the chosen one? Or is he the ATM of peace when you need him? When you kind of ignore him, but then when things get tough, you know, well, let's go, let's go get us some Jesus, you know. We get sick and we need a healing touch. Well, let's, let's rub some Jesus on it, right? Jesus wants us to see him for who he really is which is the creator of the world, the king of kings, the son of God, the savior of all who would believe. I'm praying this morning that you believe. And you know what? It may be blurry at first, and that's okay. Some days, you know, a long time after I've come to know the Lord, almost 30 years, some days it's still blurry for me. And then there's days where I feel like Jesus spits in my face and he's like, check it out. I want to do some cool stuff. Let's do it. So today, I'm praying that you believe. I want you to know we'd be glad to talk with you about that, pray with you about that. We'll be here during communion, after service, during the week, whatever. I, I say don't put it off. If God's speaking to your heart today, if the Holy Spirit is working on your heart today, then do business today. Do it today. Listen to the Lord today. Follow the Lord today. Confess that he's the Christ today. Believe in him. Who do you say that he is? Let's pray. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. Help us to follow. Help us to be truthful to it. God, work in us. Be glorified in us. God, I pray that you would save the lost. God, I pray that anybody that's listening to my voice right this second, whether it be on a computer or whether it's here right now, God, I pray, Lord, that you would touch their hearts in a way that I cannot. 
I pray that you would lead them to see their need for you. And God, I pray that you would save them. God, help them to see they don't have to have all the answers. And it's okay for it to be blurry. They just need to believe. God, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you that you've given us your son to die for us, to take our death, that we might be saved. God, today we proclaim you as the Messiah, the Son of God, the Christ, the Savior of the world. Thank you for sending Jesus for us. We ask all this in your name. Amen.